So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, Monday is the anniversary of the day Roger first publishes famous thesaurus. Then on Tuesday, we say happy birthday, Mr. Potato Head. On Wednesday, the extraordinary stories of the child soldiers who fought in the American Civil War. On Thursday, how King James changed the word of God. And on Friday, what did spam emails look like in 1978? We discuss this and more on Today in History with the retrospectors. Ten minutes every weekday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the F1 podcast that celebrates incredible success by immediately crashing into a wall. That wall was tax deductible. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the F1 podcast that won't be cancelled no matter how many times you rob us at gunpoint. That's becoming a selling point for Brazil, isn't it? Hmm. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the podcast that has a chance to shine but then screws up. Fucking Bottas. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, who, due to an accounting error, now has to pay Lewis Hamilton's tax bill. That's handy, that's zero. <laughs> I'm Chikarez, and today from the parcel yard, actually in London, King Cross Station, by Platform 9 and 3 quarters, we're going to talk about the Brazilian Grand Prix, where Massa retired with dignity, Hamilton avoided tax, and Bottas screwed it all up. That is all to come. Joining me is a man who, as usual, has been driving boring, everyday cars for a living. It is Phil Tromans. Hello, everyone from the internet. Sorry I can't be with you in person. I've had a good couple of weeks. You know, normally I'm, I'm driving sort of, you know, say, at Kia's, you know, your everyday attainable cars. So what have you been driving this week, darling? Well, I've had a good couple of weeks. Basically, we've been trying to fill in gaps in the database at Auto Trader where I work, which means we've sort of been going back and covering the niche stuff that maybe for the first time we were like, ah, let's let's not dedicate too much time to that. So, I had a Rolls Royce for a week. And how does that handle? Considering it's the size of a bungalow, pretty damn well. It was the Rolls Royce Wraith Black Badge, which is worth pretty much exactly the same as my flat in the south of England. Consumes fuel at a massive rate of knots. So, uh... Uh, and then I gave that back and I had a Ferrari 488 Spider for a week. So that was, yeah, it's been a good week. And alongside him is a man who has been cleaning his computer. It's Terry Saunders. I'm mortified. Now, when you hear somewhat celebrity like me and cleaning computer, you, you immediately think, oh, has he, have they found porn on his computer? No, it's not that. My computer screen has had the coating going funny on it ever since I bought it, and it's got all these marks on it. And only yesterday I found out that those marks weren't the coating coming off. It's just grime. And after a year of putting up with this 
terrible screen. I nearly took it back to Apple and said, there's something wrong with my screen. I found out a good clean has fixed it. So I'm available for cleaning duties. So uh, life of squalor living. Life of squalor. That's my best story. I've done nothing. It's a poor week, isn't it? <laughs> Chica, what have you been up to? Well... It's been my annual week of working on children in need. Ooh. Remember that? We love children in yes. need. Yes. I mean, not that we want them to be in need. You know what I mean. I think it's always a Brazilian Grand Prix it's on. Anyway, so uh, it's been another year of Google stalking people that bid for things on Radio 2. And I have to look and see if they look wealthy enough. Um, so I've been looking at some houses today. One of them I thought, oh, I don't know. I'm not sure about that one looks potentially ex-council but then I saw actually he was having some work done on the back so I thought we'll let that one pass there's nothing wrong with owning an ex-council place no I'm not lady. I'm just saying if he's bidding 25 grand oh, can't afford, oh yeah that's a lot then that's you know lot, yeah. and then there was another one who um, he bid like 40 grand and I looked on the uh, uh, what's it called when you uh, ele- electoral register and it said it was between 22 and 25 so alarm bells were ringing um, and I rung him and I, you know, just got chatting to, to work him out. And I was like, oh, so you're on the way to work. What do you, you know, what do you do? And he was like, hedge fund. I thought, yeah, fine. Okay, good. <laughs> so what are they getting for this money? They're bidding for these ridiculous golf days and horse riding and running marathon. Uh, New York marathon they get, they bid for. What? To get tickets. They bid to run the New York yeah, Marathon. I know. Sounds like a racket. But people, Can we people get in on bid, this next like, year? Hang on. We? So they're paying to run the New York Marathon. Yeah. Why are all my friends who are running marathons asking me for money? What if we <laughs> get them to raise 40 grand to have mm. dinner with us? I don't think 40 quid would be raised, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> OK, let's put it out there. We w- Right, let's have an auction to have dinner with all of us. The highest bidder Din- will put most of the money into children in need, you know, <laughs> after we've covered the costs. All the money, Terry. All right, all the money. But who's paying the food? Oh, they'll have to pay for that. Yeah, okay, fine. Deal. Okay, so we'll begin with the melange of rage and indignance that is Listener's Corner, where you angrily throw comments and opinions at us like they were cans of drink, and this with the 2005 US Grand Prix. Naturally, the talk of the moment is of Brazil, because that's where the race was at, and all its alluring charms, but mostly the motor racing. Davian Dent starts the topic of conversation with an intriguing observation about one of our favourite drivers. He says, Does anyone know why Roman Don't Call Me Chicken Gujan Grosjean is such a fucking talent vacuum? Honestly, my spunk could swim around and... <laughs> Honestly, my spunk could swim around an F1 track quicker than that pricked up our little punts. Grosjean picked up a penalty for his first lap tangle with Magnussen, but some, including Ross Chaplin and Alexander McLeod, thought it was harsh. Right, so firstly, firstly, let's get this let's get some science out of the way here. So Davian's comment about the his spunk flying around the track quicker. Really, we need to look at the uh, the physics here because Brazil's a very hot place, and if you were to spunk on a track, there's a word. Uh, what's the, the, the solution? The solution that the sperm rests in, the spermicidal, spermos, sperm over, would evaporate immediately, and all you'd be left with is some dried out hot sperm on a track. And I don't think you get much further than the start finish line. How hot is Brazil? It's a track temperature of 60. 60 watt, I don't know. 60 watts. I mean, Phil, have you ever spunked on a hot car bonnet? 
No, I generally wait until the uh, the engine has cooled down before that sort of thing. Well, that's that point's ruined then, isn't it? Ben Turnbull said, I just hope now Massa is retired, he will cut his hair and admit he's going bald. I mean, to be fair, Massa's not going to admit to anything. He's not going to admit to be over the hill. He's not going to admit to be bold. Some things you can't deny, is that? shockingly bold. He's got a proper comb over. I think Ben saw the same clip I did, because there was one bit when I was watching the coverage and went, fuck, he's bold. <laughs> James Gent said, could Toto Wolff or Nicky Lauda give Bottas a kick up the ass before Abu Dhabi? It was his race to lose, and that is exactly what he did. Bottas was utterly awful during this race. I mean, when I say utterly awful, he finished second, which is quite impressive. <laughs> but, which is terrible. But terrible, yeah. Like, this guy... He has got all of the panache of... Grapefruit. Ganache. Ganache. Grapefruit ganache. Jonathan Petrovic said, Another race like that and Bottas will be the lead runner for Massa's seat. And Toto can give the Merck seat to Pascal. <laughs> Seriously, Lewis showed everyone that Bottas isn't even close to the previous Mercedes driver's level. True. He who cannot be named the current world champion uh, would probably wipe the floor with Bottas. I suspect he, he absolutely would. Did you hear Jacques Villeneuve had a go at, uh, at Bottas for being rubbish this week? Said he was I mean, basically just a number two driver. To be fair, though, Jacques Villeneuve has a go at someone every week. I mean, it's probably my turn next week. That's true. Gavin Mitchell said Bernie looked about as welcome as a turd at a pool party. He's like some creepy blue-rinsed uncle that keeps turning up at family dues, but nobody knows who keeps inviting him. I mean, this turd at a pool party, are we talking as a turd in the pool? Or is it like a turd who just shows up at the door and everyone's like, oh God, the turd's here. I, I think it's more <laughs> metaphorical. It's the entertainment. The thing is, well, this is, this is actually a good thing to talk about, is that Liberty's honeymoon has worn off. Mm. Because there's been a big debacle about the new engine regulations and suddenly the teams who were once, who were this time six months ago going, oh, Liberty are great, are now starting to gripe. Ferrari's threatening to quit. Mercedes are saying it's too cheap, all this stuff. And maybe, Do you think they're looking back to Eccleston with a, a hazy glow? Well, I feel like Liberty have gone to Eccleston and gone, I see your point, you've got to say mad shit so we can get on with stuff in the background. <laughs> and I was like, yep, that's what I'm here for. Oh, look at that. Oh, I think all the cars should be made out of marshmallows. <laughs> oh, we've been a shit. That's what he says. In other news, Toro Rosso are expected to announce Pierre Gasly and Brendan Hartley as their drivers for 2018. Your thoughts on this? I think there is a Disney film in the making because Pierre Gasly looks like a Disney bird and mm. Brendan Hartley looks like a Disney prince. <laughs> so I think the Toro Rosso musical is a coming. <laughs> I don't know who they're going to cast, but they, they're probably not very secure in their roles until filming is finished. <laughs> Phil, you don't understand how animation works, do you? They've got to lock this stuff down in advance. Yes, they're both good. Neither of them are um, Who else was it in Toro Rosso? Oh, um, Signs, he's gone off. So, you know... We're saying they're confirmed for 2018, but what we mean is they're confirmed for at least the start of 2018 before they're shoved off to Formula E. Signs have been in there for a little while. I think these guys could be... And they're adorable. They so are adorable. <laughs> I, I've, I've been impressed with Hartley. Uh, admittedly, his engine has blown up every 20 minutes, but he's looked good when he's managed to get some running in. So the Pirelli tyre testing planned at Interlagos after the Brazilian Grand Prix was cancelled after several incidents involving attacks on F1 personnel. Members of the Mercedes team were robbed at gunpoint outside the track and Pirelli's tyre fitters were also attacked. Incidents were also reported involving staff from Williams, Sauber and the FIA. The test was going to have to involve McLaren and next year's Pirelli tyres with Stofferoffel and British Pipsqueak and Lando Norris scheduled to drive. Is F1 too dangerous in Brazil? 
Can I just say, during the watching of this race, I changed a tyre on my wife's bike. Now, I can't ride a bike, but I was valiantly, drunkenly trying to change a tyre. And it took, like, most of the race. It's really hard to get a tyre back on a Brompton, I'll tell you now. But to be fair, in, in your defence, Terry, it's not your job. And I wasn't doing it at gunpoint, which means I was, at best, lackadaisical. But um, it made me... I like the idea that Pirelli have got tyre fitters. Like, that's their only job. What do you do? Oh, you work for Pirelli? Oh, what, do you choose the tyres? Do you make the tyres? No, no, I just put them on the wheel. And you go, oh, that's a silly job. But now, with my experience, I go, that's quite hard. <laughs> you could get mugged for it. And you get mugged as well. I mean, it's terrible, gun, gun violence. But, you know, let's face it, Fallen One is too safe these days. <laughs> they need a bit of danger. Next year, they'll have the halo. All the, all the mechanics will be walking around Brazil with a halo on. <laughs> <laughs> they love in Brazil it's a big Jesus well maybe we should introduce sort of armed banditry as part of the sort of qualification method I mean it would be good if at the start of the race Grosjean was spinning off and they went oh his tyre's gone he got shot I think they should introduce one armed bandit to every pit crew so like every time they come for a pit stop one of the guys there is an armed bandit so when you say you mean oh, that's good. you mean a singular armed bandit not, not a, a fruit machine. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, that, that would be too, too easy to, uh, to identify. <laughs> it's not going to work. So it is time to launch our <coughs> FF1S Driver of the Year competition. Now, this award is nominated by you, dear listeners, and then chosen by the grand jury that is me, Phil, and reluctantly Terry. Now, right. before we open for entries, Terry and Phil, who do you think should be in the mix? Well... Don't forget, last year, the winner of this prestigious prize was Daniel Kavia, and look at what he <laughs> yeah. went on to achieve. And I think this year, for sheer tenacity, my vote has to be Kavia. <laughs> I like you. How, how many times can someone be fired and still show up for work and still, you know, he scored a point on his last race, despite just openly weeping throughout the whole weekend. <laughs> He's got five so, points the whole the whole year. Yeah, five points. How many have you got, Phil? I've got the same number as uh, Marcus Ericsson. Ooh, bitch. I'm, I'm torn on this as to whether go f- to go for a genuinely serious answer as to who I think has done really well this year or, or just to sort of take a leaf out of Terry's book and pick a driver that I, I'm pretty confident you guys had forgotten had even raced this year. Nigel Mansell? Being Antonio Giovinazzi. <laughs> Oh, yeah! But, however, I'm actually going to be really boring and say Max Verstappen. Verstappen. Uh, I think he's been brilliant. I've just been excited every time I've watched him. Not like that. All right. So you're probably wondering what I'm going to say. Thanks for asking. I was about to ask. You didn't get a chance. Well, what's your criteria before you tell us? Uh, My criteria is attractive car, um, (laughs) strong personality, um, and good radio chat. Ticking all of those boxes, I think, is probably Ocon. Oh, yeah, oh. I like Ocon. That's yeah. a solid like choice. Him. Yeah, he's Thank been very you. good. Now, we want to know what you think. Tweet us your nominations and why you think they should win on Twitter at For F1's Sake or find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash For F1's Sake or email us at wrong at ff1s.com. So now for the teams, we'll start with, as always, Mercedes. Now, if I just won the world championship for the fourth time, I wouldn't even turn up for the race, especially if I was starting in the pit lane. However, Hamilton not only arrived, he did the best bit of overtaking since Massa overtook Bruno Senna in Singapore in 2012. Now, as we said, Bottas did well, but like most of the season, no one really noticed. 
If Bottas had a good start, though, because that was one of his weakest bits, could he have beaten Vettel? I mean, yes. If he'd had a good start and if he'd have won the race, he would have won the race. <laughs> He's not up to it, is he? I mean... I mean, he got pole. Yeah, he got pole. And then he... Gave it then up. he titched it up at the start. I mean, he didn't lose out to anybody but else. He's, he's he still didn't was get massively second. dropped by by Fettel. But the thing is, he he got the pole, and then it was almost like he was embarrassed to have it because he gave that pole up at the second he could. He as did get it quite easily. I thought he, I thought he was going to cut over to the inside. I mean, that's what I would have done. It was <laughs> literally like, immediately go to the inside. It was almost like when I used to play Monopoly as a child with my mum. Uh, sob story here, single parent family, no brothers or sisters, Sorry. just me and my mum. And she'd let yeah. me buy the properties because uh, that's how it, it works. We had a very Spains nice a time. Lot. So then Bottas is kind of like going, oh, oh, Vettel won't overtake, he'll let me go through. And it's like when I first played as a student Monopoly and realised that not everyone is as nice as my mum. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay, well, on that note, Ferrari. Now, well, should we talk well, about Hamilton? Sorry. Hamilton. Oh, yeah, I forgot about him. So Hamilton. So the, the, the qualifying crash was embarrassing because mm-hmm. did we find out was there any reason that he did anything wrong with the car it wasn't was it he just binned it as, yeah as best i could tell like the, the track temperature had changed slightly from uh. full practice <laughs> and basically when he was coming into the corner with the car slightly unbalanced he changed down a gear and that sort of slightly affects the the attitude of the car and that just kind of was enough to break traction at the back and spit him off so he- yes but you can sort of understand it he did say big sorry there didn't he Big Soz, lol. Yeah. Like um, but then again, then he, he got up to fourth. That's pretty impressive. Oh, it was a, it was a great drive if you leave qualifying out of it. But then, I don't know, he got up to fourth and then it was all a bit... Yeah, know. but he he had no tyres left after that, overtaking everyone. It was good. No, I was thought good. to get to fourth, impressive. It's it was really impressive to go from the back of the field to be within three seconds of his teammate and what was it, five seconds or something of the lead? Yeah. And also, there were, there were stuff happened that he that it, he was held up, wasn't he? So he could have actually probably won. Well, that's what Toto Wolf said. He said Hamilton could have won that race. To which someone on Twitter just replied, "Yeah, but he didn't." <laughs> it's true. I mean, I could have won that race. I mean, it was very <laughs> unlikely, but I could have. I didn't. Ferrari. Now Vettel won. He was pleased and shouted happy Italian things to show it. He had a good start, but less straight line speed than Mercedes. Raikkonen was enthusiastic, describing his race as pretty average, pottering around in third. He said he easily held Hamilton off in the last few laps. Is he a liar? It was all tyres, wasn't it? Wasn't Hamilton's tyres screwed by then? I yeah, I think weird. by the time he got there, he was just skidding around. I found Vettel a bit weird when he was doing the whole Forza Ferrari bit after a while. He sounded very lacklustre, almost as if he was contractually obliged to say <laughs> Ferrari. Uh, Forza Ferrari, you wankers. <laughs> well, it's probably because probably he's, I mean, you know, the season's over and okay, he won, but like, mm. you know, it's a bit of a hollow victory now, isn't it? Yeah. Also, Raikkonen's always third, isn't he? He's just a third kind of guy. He's a third driver. Mm. Um, I thought it, I genuinely thought it was interesting to see the difference between the cars at this race because basically the Mercedes would monster them everybody down the straights, but then the Ferrari looked much better in the in the twiddly bits, um, mm. and it makes me kind of wish that more more races were at tracks like that where they were just going to be track, really close. Wasn't it? Uh, can you imagine well, a, Fettel, a Fettel versus Hamilton proper showdown if Hamilton hadn't been there? I reckon that would have been really good. But this is this seems to be the story of the year. We've not really seen Vettel and Hamilton up against it together there's been like one race where it nearly happened we had a mo- an amazing bit in this race where Hamilton was coming up to Verstappen it's like oh we're going to see the, the current champion and, and the new young buck 
you know, having a big battle, and then Verstappen just went, oh, my tyres are fucked, you might as well go on by, mate. And it's like, well, we haven't seen these battles this year. We've had, a whole, we've had like 2,000 races Why, this though? year. And just by chance? Just by or, chance. Or is it because of the, the new tyres? shit. Okay. <laughs> right. Red Bull. Now, if Verstappen didn't have tyre wear, he could have been on the podium. But he did, and he wasn't. He did set the fastest lap, though, which is almost two in a row. Ricardo had problems with accidentally getting hit in the Mag Van Dorn off at the start, but he did some good overtakes and came home in sixth. Now, after a good bunch of races, that wasn't great, was it? Ricard, what, what was Ricardo's problem? He was down in qualifying. He had to change his engine, so then he got punted so off on the first lap. But he had quite a good start, and then he got caught up in that nonsense and spun. He did some tr- Ricardo did some tremendously good overtakes. Mm. It's great, but that's like the third race on the trot he started near the back. He's not had much luck, because like, Verstappen had a very unlucky first half of the year and now it seems to have working out for him but it does seem that Ricardo has got all the bad luck in that team now yeah and it's just I don't know I'm just so bored of talking about tyres why can't they just race Williams Massa had his last race in Brazil because his last last one turned out not to be his last and drove on with the Brazilian flag that turned out to be just the green flag to celebrate it was quite a nice race to end on though he overtook Alonso and was in fifth for a bit but a lot of people were better Stroll was shit. Why was he so bad? He hasn't been somewhere like Brazil and with, um, <laughs> with real people. Good. And real char- Yeah, but he's good. He, we, we, we discussed this in the last one. He's good when he can bang around a track and be on his own and not have any, you know, any of the plebs around him because <laughs> he likes to be <laughs> a customer. So, yeah, going to Brazil where there's a ghetto not next to the track and he cannot cope with poor people. So that's his problem. <laughs> Whereas Massa... He's a man of the people. He's not a man of the people enough for anyone to give him a proper flag, is there? I know. that was. Do you, what was did that he, all about? Do you think he thought it was the Brazilian flag? I, I think, think, like his hair, he had a big... <laughs> the, the, the bit of the flag was receding. A big bit missing off. in the middle, yeah. Oh, it was just embarrassing, wasn't it? Just well, well, I mean, you know, green, green does mean go, and, you know, maybe everyone was wishing he'd just go already. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. But if you remember last year, he did that thing where he really embarrassingly crashed out <laughs> on the straight in the wet but he still did this whole thing running around with his flag very emotional went through the pit lane and everyone did him a standing ovation and this kind of stuff and it was a bit emotional I wasn't emotional but then when he does it again this year eh. well he finishes the race he He got a standing ovation from Alonso as he came into the pit well Well, that's not hard is it (laughs) and then he got he got to go on the podium with Barrichello was he oh yeah but then that's just pathetic isn't it he didn't (laughs) deserve to go on the podium because I didn't watch the race live and I saw a I saw a tweet saying that he was on the podium. So I watched the end of the race thinking, this is going to be good. He's going He's got to climb four places to get a podium in the last couple of laps. This is going to be amazing. And then I found out, oh, we just jumped on the podium with this fucking kid <laughs> when everyone wasn't looking. It's like, fuck off. You did watch the whole deserved. race, though, didn't you? He should have been, oh, been, been doing the revolving DJ thing. That would have been good if it was Rubens Barrichello on the other side. Shall we go? Thank you, boys. Now, Sauber. I don't think I saw Ericsson and Verline did 69 laps on one set of tyres, which is impressive. Weren't they racing against each other for the first time in a long time? Yeah, I mean, it was, I'll be honest, I watched the highlights. They did not make the edit. Although uh, it's notable that Ericsson beat Verline, which doesn't happen very often. This is true, but that's I don't know if. Verline was busy thinking about other things, you know, maybe he's I, got a lot on his mind. I'm not sure we're going to see Verline next year. Do you not I think? Will, I will be seeing him. Why? Because I've got his poster on my wall. 
<laughs> and it's my desktop wallpaper. And um, on your wall or on your ceiling? And that doll is arriving soon. No, so, um, cost a lot of money. Who's going to go instead? Have they got someone lined up, or do you think it's going to be Charlotte Clerk? Charlotte Clerk and oh. Ericsson probably. Are they, they've not actually confirmed this yet, have they? No, I don't think so. Who is left to be confirmed? The mysterious Williams, Williams seat, mm. and whenever they fire Bottas. <laughs> Uh, he, he isn't. He's signed up for next year, though. Isn't he's he? signed up technically, okay, with a quote contract. <laughs> well, we know from Red Bull and Toro Rosso that that's not worth the paper it's printed on. Do you reckon they actually print them these days? As an aside, I think it's all PDFs. Force India. Now, for the first time after 27 races, reliable Ocon didn't finish the race because Grosjean smacked into him on turn six. Perez, however, despite what we think of him, drove really well and didn't piss his team off this week. He came home in ninth. I mean, you've got to feel poor Ocon, but at the same time... He needed to not finish late. That had to come to an end, because that is a bit of a shit stat to have. You know, well done you, but, you know, it's not your... Shit happens. (laughs) Well, Grosjean happens. Shit happens, that's what I just said. I saw an interview with Ocon, (laughs) and he said he was quite, you know, humorous about it. He said, I knew it was going to happen good to happen now or something much funnier than that he's so happy all the time I know and I like that I like it good it's often because I know that I'm often the misanthrope on this podcast (laughs) and I hate (laughs) everything but there's something about Ocon that genuinely makes me smile and not in the way that Verlein does (laughs) (laughs) although he's a close second what do you think of Perez no wouldn't (laughs) 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 not even yours mate (laughs) hey yes (laughs) (laughs) I made myself laugh You're right, Chica My voice broke It's been a long season Has had an unfortunate day Their 14th bad day in a row These stats are made up So I didn't question them Both their drivers had separate crashes on the first lap Magnussen broke his suspension and was off And Grosjean was really slow at the back Were they the worst team in Brazil? I'm starting to come to a theory that the Haas car isn't that bad and they just have two shockingly bad drivers. Do you think? Yeah. I think these two are rubbish. Crochon was showing a lot of promise a couple of years ago, but he does but seem to have gone a bit... He's, he's gone, been shit for years. He's gone back to his like initial moaning, crashing into things shit. It's not even that spectacular now, though, because back then yeah. you could have leaves like he was the Maldonado of his day. Exactly, he would at least flip the car, but now he's just <laughs> he's just like it's quite selfish. Into yeah, well, do it properly. They were and pretty. Magnuson they were pretty bad. They were completely anonymous, and I think it was Magnussen's fault because he had he bashed into Van Dorn and, and Ricardo at the beginning, didn't he? And he yep. caused that little that little tête-à-tête. Um, yeah, massively unremarkable. Are they both in for next year? I think they are, aren't they? I think so. Yeah, mm. that'll be fun. Renault. Now Hulkenberg got a point. More importantly, he managed to finish the race. Signs had a bit of damage, but considering that when Palmer was driving for them, he'd come home 20 minutes after everyone else, that was not a bad race for Renault. What do you reckon will happen to Renault in Abu Dhabi? I think they're going to have another argument with Toro Rosso, because that was the most amazing part of the weekend, was Franz Tost and Cyrilla Bittbull having a proper row. Oh, yes. Franz Tost said that Renault were giving them dodgy engines on purpose, which is why Toro Rosso was failing. And then Cyril was like, no, we wouldn't do that. We're just, we're just giving everyone shit engines. They're all <laughs> equally shit. 
and there was there's a bit of footage of them like pointing fingers at each other. Ooh. It's amazing, like a proper row. <laughs> so you didn't watch the race, but you watched. I didn't watch that. No, I watched. I just watched Fantastic. the stuff that gets onto Twitter. <laughs> Amazing. But Didn't I mean, they have to call anything. Helmut Marco to, to act as a, a mediator? Can you imagine that? I know, and if, if there's anyone I can't uh, imagine as a mediator, it's Helmut Marco. He just probably wiped their skulls together. <laughs> he gave him a story about his eye, and that was it. Um, <laughs> the thing about Renault is what they're doing with every race is proving what a correct decision it was to drop Palmer. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> yes, like, it's, true. it's not helping Palmer's case for a new drive next year. When oh, he's got no chance. His car is doing well. <laughs> I think. Uh, should we should we try and keep an eye on Palmer? Is maybe we should. Sort yeah, of, I was just thinking. You know, when when we, there's champions we don't like, we don't talk about him anymore. But maybe maybe our sort of our heroic failures or just our failures, we should we should keep tabs on. I reckon he's mm. going to be. LMP2 maybe in endurance, or he'll go to like indie lights or something. I don't know. I'm thinking local branch of quick fit. <laughs> <laughs> Toro Rosso. Toro Rosso. Toro Rosso. Gasly Toro was in. <laughs> Gasly. For the right, next race, can we all wear shirts that we just sign it like at the last day of school, bring board <laughs> games or something? Because this yeah, season has that. been too fucking long. <laughs> yeah. Gasly was impressive getting into ninth at the beginning. Sadly, his car is sixth best on the grid, so he was quickly crossed. Again, that stat isn't actually a fact. <laughs> but he overtook Stroll, but Stroll did stall at the beginning. Hartley didn't do as well. He retired due to technical issues. Has he finished the race yet? He hasn't, but he was last week driving in the, the wacky races and <laughs> won the championship, didn't he? Yeah, he's another right? world champion. He won the God. World Endurance Car World Champion He has wasted week. in Formula 1. Whilst, you know, whilst other drivers are sitting in Monaco or, you know, um, whatever Stoffel Van Dorn does eating waffles, <laughs> he is there winning championships. Can you imagine Palmer on his week off winning a championship? No. <laughs> no I mean, maybe lawnmower racing in Whisper Green or something. <laughs> no, if he did lawnmower racing, he'd, he'd lose a leg. <laughs> oh, Reece, I don't know what, I don't He know wouldn't what have taken the blade off. <laughs> OK, McLaren. Not a bad race for Alonso. He had one of the best starts on the grid, but Motherland Massa overtook him after the safety car. Van Dorn damaged his car right at the start and was off. Alonso should be pleased with that, right? I mean, he qualified like eighth and then got to seventh after Ricardo's penalty. Hmm. There's more evidence that he's an amazing driver stuck in a crappy car. Brilliant. But he'll be stuck, stuck in a crappy car for another year. Well, not with that Renault engine that's failing uh, in all the other cars. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <I don't> like. <laughs> Apparently, Renaults were so shit. One of the reasons the Red Bulls were a bit rubbish is because Renault were basically run out of parts. <laughs> the season's too long. <laughs> it's too hot. And they're just going, look, we're just uh, turning me down. We don't care. <laughs> Brilliant. What a, what a great advert for your company. All of which brings us to the standings with Terry Saunders. Okay, so this week we have a bit of a book-themed podcast. And um, the first book we'll be talking about is Roman Grosjean's cooking book that he's released. <laughs> this is actually a thing. I'm not making it up. He's actually released a cooking book. And uh, we have exclusive listings of the contents page of this cooking book, which he's weirdly done in the form of the standings after the Brazilian Grand Prix, which is very confusing because the print deadlines are quite big. He is, he's he got some stuff he knows. Okay, uh, the first recipe is, is it because I is a Black Forest Gatto? It's from Lewis Hamilton. He famously said that after a race once. I'm not being funny. Second place is fucking Finger of Fudge. Um, third place is Valtteri Bottas who will be making definitely not a good starter <laughs> <laughs> uh, fourth place Shui Buns Shoe Pastry 
Ricardo, it's been a long season. In fifth place, Mika Masala, which is Kimi Raikkonen, but he's Finnish, and Mika Masala is a fucking great pun. Um, <laughs> sixth place is some dodgy fish, because it goes through you really quickly. That's Max Verstappen. <laughs> and in seventh place, cheesy espadrilles. I've tried to write in enchiladas, and it also corrected to espadrilles. That's Sergio Perez. <laughs> eighth place, a recipe that's normally really reliable, but this time it didn't finish. That's okay. <laughs> what? I'm t- I'm not, I've got a cold. These are not my best. <laughs> Ninth, when you scrape something off an old plate and then serve it onto a nice new yellow plate, it's Carlos Sainz. <laughs> Tenth, some pickle that's not the lid on properly and is now mouldy. It's Felipe Massa. <laughs> Eleventh, the sort of dish that the rest of us would find intimidating. It's Lance Stroll. And in twelfth place, a cheese sandwich. It's hard to get excited by, despite knowing they're great. That's Nico Hulkenberg. <laughs> in thirteenth, les tranches de lard with a career prospect reduction served with wine. Romain Grosjean. <laughs> In 14th, it's Kevin Magnussen with lemon meringue wine. Uh, in 15th, it's Philando Alonso, who is jelly. It was great when you were younger. It can still be great now. When do you ever eat jelly? Uh, 16th is Stoffer Ruffle Waffle. Uh, 17th, someone left their stool sample in the fridge again and I put it in the frying pan. It's Jolene Palmer. And in 18th, it's hot dogs in a jar. It's Pascal Verline. Does that need explaining? Apparently, if you take the middle hot dog out of a jar... Good, good fleshlight. Okay. Someone told me that. I've never tried it. And in 19th, leftovers that you've left in the fridge for too long, it's Daniel Kvyat. And um, in other news this week, there's a Senna musical. No. Yes, Yes. there's a proper Senna musical in Brazil. And um, don't worry, I'm not going to sing. That's not allowed. We've established that several times. But I have... I wouldn't say complaints, Phil. Constructive criticism. I would say death threats. <laughs> <laughs> One was a death threat, that's correct, yes. Um, but I have gone through the teams in what musical they would be. Mm-hmm. So, the winner of the championship is the King and I. I being Bottas and the King <laughs> being Hamilton. Ferrari is uh, Les Miserables, because they are miserable. <laughs> Uh, Beauty and the Beast, that's Red Bull. I'll leave you to decide which one of those two drivers <laughs> is quite ugly. Force India is Billy Elliot. You know, they've, they've got no chance, but a little little upstart can do dancing. I don't know, I've not seen it. Williams is Massa Get Your Gun. Uh, <laughs> Toro Rosso is Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. That's how many drivers they've this year. <laughs> Renault is Bye Bye Birdie. That's uh, Palmer. Haas, anything goes. Uh, <laughs> McLaren is Phantom of the Honda and Sauber is Rent. (laughs) So now it's time for a special feature and that is a book review. Now people write books about Formula One but mostly they're written by drivers whose prose isn't much better than a 10-year-old coming back off school holiday. But we have our grubby hands on a new book written by Mark Priestley. It's called The Mechanic, The Secret World of the F1 Pit Lane. And we read it. Well, two or three of us read it. So tell me, what is it about? So Mark Priestley was a McLaren mechanic, and now he's written a book. He does stuff on TV. And I think it's fair to say, Phil, he worked in a much more debauched time in Formula One. It seems a bit more fun in those days. That is putting it mildly. In fact, yes. I mean, uh, throughout the, the course of the book, which goes largely in a chronological order, um, it sort of describes how it goes from frankly ridiculous excesses and uh, hilarity to less so. Tobacco sponsorship has a lot of bad things going for it. You know, 
kills tobacco. people, tobacco, cancer. They don't treat people very nicely. But it seems that when they gave money to Formula One, you could spend that money on fucking anything. <laughs> yes. There's none of the kind of Bernie says don't smoke and take drugs and wreck okay. a car. It's no, just exactly the opposite. Yeah, just do what you like, lads. Enjoy yourselves. And they did. And they got. And do you know the, in the other in the state of California the other week, I had this great idea for mechanics to get drunk so they're really hung over for the race. Turns yeah. out I'm describing the 2000s. <laughs> <laughs> so when did it change? Uh, Basically, when tobacco went. sponsorship went. That was it. And then corporate money came in. It's all banking and finance places. They want their drivers now to be, you know, doing events and stuff and all this kind of stuff. Whereas back in these days, it's frankly a little crazy. Um, what were your favourite stories that, that were in there? The the um, the many because he was Kimi Räikkönen's mechanic for a long time in McLaren, and there are many stories of pranks they were doing back to each other. Uh, my favourite being the. Uh, the dye in the gloves <laughs> where he uh, he put some blue dye in Kim Raikkonen's gloves and thought it'd be funny and then at the end of the race Kim Raikkonen had blue hands but I think had he won the race or he got on the podium wasn't it when uh, he won the world championship oh was it, was it I can't remember now but yes it was something like that he did, he'd done very well and had to go meet a load of dignitaries yeah with blue hands <laughs> great and my other favourite bit was realising just how much money David Coulthard has because there's a great story where they um, they totally the, the mechanics totally wreck like a Mercedes minibus thing they've hired, and they think they're in massive trouble because they have totally destroyed this thing. And they go to David Coulthard and say, "We're fucked." And Coulthard just says, "Oh, I'll buy you. I'll I'll pay for it. I'll pay the twenty grand for it." Like like nothing. Not even going. You owe me for this. He's just like, "Oh, you guys are la- you guys are a laugh. You help me with the car." And it give me a bit of respect for Coulthard. I must say. I was. I think Coulthard, and also particularly Kimi Räikkönen, come out of this book exceedingly well. I, yes. I've, I've got a lot more time for Räikkönen after having read this book. But the, it, interesting, Elvis, as he's known, Mark Priestley, was also there during the whole, uh, the first time that, Alon- um, that Hamilton came in and went up against Alonso and offers a very intriguing... Uh, uh, insight yes. into that dynamic as well and neither of them come out particularly well from it <laughs> yeah, I would say Alonso particularly comes out quite badly and well, I well, what happened? Just the, the well you'll have to buy the book I don't want to oh, give yeah. spoilers <laughs> too much but uh, it's absolutely worth a read but yeah there was there, I mean it's fair to say there was there was, there was was needling on both sides but Alonso was sort of raising the stakes somewhat I mean reading this I find because when, when Alonso re-signed for McLaren a couple of years ago we knew that was quite shocking but reading this book I find it actually impossible to believe that McLaren had him back and it gives you a sense of just how desperate McLaren must have been to re-sign him because that that is a shocking tale. The other thing I really liked was a little aside in the book that um, when McLaren got hit with that 100 million for uh, for the Spygate scandal which again is covered in, in quite a lot of detail what was interesting is that the uh, apparently when, when they were announcing the fine and, and Max Mosley and Ron Dennis appeared together to sort of say yes okay we've agreed and this is going to happen we're going to be fined 100 million apparently Max Mosley turned to Ron Dennis and said 10 million of this is for what you did wrong and 90 million is because you're a cunt amazing so the book is called The Mechanic, The Secret World of the F1 Pit Lane by Mark Priestley. And you can buy it via our website. And if you do that, then you're helping support this podcast. So do it now at ff1s.com forward slash shop, shop, shop. <laughs> and now it is the return of the 2017 FF1S Grand Prix Fantasy League. Phil, over to you. Hey, it's back. I know you've all missed it. We've had 
literally two complaints that we hadn't done anything on it for a while. So let's go through it. And there have been massive changes since we last checked in. For anyone that hasn't been doing it, uh, this is our fantasy league uh, where you just pick some drivers and teams and see how they do. Massive changes since we last checked in. Uh, Mercedes AMG, the team that was so long at the front of the battle, has thrown it away in a Vettel-like fashion and now sits down in 10th, which means we have a new top five in the FF1S League. In fifth place, from the UK, is Just Drive Racing. On, Just Drive. On, on loads of points. Harry, I can't really yeah, to read them all out. It'll take forever. Uh, fourth place, from Sweden, Delwall F1. You plonker. Uh, in third, from the UK, Speed Force. Uh, well, that was what Force India were going to call their names. Uh, and in second place, Testing, Testing, 1, 2, 3. But in first place, from Azerbaijan, according to their profile, Will I Ams, which is actually quite a clever name. I like really that. Really good name. That's really good, good name. name. That's yeah. So, to win. well done, Baku. They are currently winning with um, with one race left. So, uh, you know, everything to play for, although not really, because frankly, Will I Ams is about 600 points in the lead. Um, so anyway, boring, boring, boring. How, 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 how are we doing, Phil? Well, in the presenter's battle, and I'm assuming here that Chica is at the back because yeah. I can't even remember a team name. Um, I've been very busy recently. Yeah, so Chica's <laughs> at the back. Uh, in 31st place is Terry with Let's Get Funky. Uh, just ahead of him is me with my team Tindak Racing in 29th place overall. But currently in the lead is Chica's boyfriend in 17th place with his team Drink Driving of Jolian, which for a large part of the season Chica tried to convince us was actually her team and isn't. I still believe in you, Chica. Thanks, mate. I still I, think, you know, I late surge. Can we just say, though, that for most of the year I was far, far, far behind you, Phil, and now I'm two places behind. Yeah, that's good. With one race going, I can get, I can overtake you and be the de facto winner of the presenters, not including Who, Who will win out of you two? Me. I don't, well, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've only got one space on my team, I think, so, so I'm going to have to choose. I'm going to have to choose very, very carefully. You and are. Hope it That's your mistake. Way. I just get the email <laughs> and flick around until I've saved it. So, who will win the 2017 FF1S Grand Prix Fantasy League? Find out next time. Ooh. And now it's time for the State of F1 with Terry Saunders. I mean, really. Who can honestly hold up their hands and say they haven't squirreled £16 million away from Her Majesty? Every time I look at a stamp, I've got a cold sweat at the thought of it. But this week, Lewis Hamilton has been implicated in the Paradise Papers, the disappointing Neil Simon follow-up to the Sunshine Boys. Apparently, when he bought a jet, he may have accidentally leased it to himself and then forgetfully landed in the Island Man to maybe not pay his dues. <laughs> now, I'm not here to defend tax avoidance, but for all the complaints to be laid at Hamilton's door, this does seem to be a bit of a stretch for a multi-squillionaire who lives in Monaco. Isn't tax evasion the very definition of a Formula 1 driver? You've got a cheap death and taxes. <laughs> it was written this week that it might endanger his chances of a knighthood because, well, we wouldn't want the system that rewarded Fred Goodwin, Philip Green and Jimmy Savile to be brought into disrepute, <laughs> would we? But he's been caught and he's also managed to evade talking about it, probably under the advice of his accountant. If he can set up an interview in the Cayman Islands to talk, then he can maybe earn interest on his words by funneling them through a lesser driver, like <laughs> Valtteri Bottas, a man who's only at Mercedes to help Lewis launder his money. <laughs> Now, normally, this section of the podcast is about fixing problems in Formula 1, like gun-toting gangs in Brazil or how to name tyres. But sometimes I'm here to fix bloody everything like a grumpy dad with pathetic grown-up children. So don't worry, I've got a solution. We've got a lot to cover, so I'll keep this brief. Brazil doesn't want to be in the news because 41 people are being robbed at gunpoint. HM Revenue wants to have some means of collecting taxes that people will actually adhere to. Can you see the obvious solution? Yes, employ the Brazilian gangs as tax collectors. 
Try watching Lewis pocket £60 million with an Uzi in his neck. I mean, I would watch that. That would be the very best of Red Button feature. (laughs) (laughs) That is it from us. It is goodbye to Phil Tromans. Goodbye. We've not had time to talk about uh, Stoffel Roffel and Alonso having a snog, uh, which I didn't see coming. I'll be honest, I've not actually figured out what the context was, but a picture appeared on my Twitter feed of Stoffel seemingly taking a selfie of himself and Alonso trying to full-on French kiss him in the face. So that's nice. I'm glad to see they're getting on well. I'm glad they're getting on well. Yeah, that's nice, isn't it? And to Terry Saunders. Okay, so Peretti have decided to get all social media and say, we want you to help us name a new soft compound of tyres, which the internet has predictably said that compound's going to be called Softy McSoftface. Everyone's very funny. Peretti, listen to me. Are you listening, Peretti? The answer is medium, hard, soft. Right, you can have 20 squillion different compounds, but at the race, have medium, hard, soft. No one gives a shit. You think you're being important by calling it ultra soft. Nobody cares. Grow up. Just get on with it, you wankers. We'll be back in two weeks' time to discuss the final Grand Prix of the season. Yay! Abu Dhabi. But in the meantime, check out our Facebook page, facebook.com slash for F1's sake. And follow us on Twitter at for F1's sake. Subscribe! And uh, also, it's important that you buy merchandise because Christmas is coming and your family and friends will want it. They do. Where can they buy their Christmas treats? If your local branch of Woolworths has shut, <laughs> I heartily recommend ff1s.com forward slash shop shop shop. That last shop has many O's, <laughs> like uh, five gold rings. Five gold shops Thanks. slash five gold shops. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. See you in a fortnight. I've been Goodbye. Goodbye. Podcast Network.